You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We thought you might like to know that there is a camp in Indiana that brings together foster kids. You might not know that foster kids often get split up and so siblings don't get the chance to see each other that often if ever so camp to belong brings those kids together for a fun-filled week so we talk about various issues regarding foster care and we also talk about how you can support camp to belong indiana stay tuned right after this here on the chris spangle show becky moore director of camp to belong indiana thanks for joining me today tell us a little bit about the work that you do what is camp camp to belong indiana Hey, uh, Camp to Belong Indiana is a member camp of an international organization, Camp to Belong. There are 10 states that have it and Australia, and there are many states that don't have it. But um, it is a camp. The organization is dedicated. Their main thing is to have a camp for siblings who are separated because they live in different foster homes. And the strict definition for us is any out-of-home placements. But most of those are foster homes. But they could be like uh, different kids spread out among relatives uh, because they're waiting for their parents to come back or whatever. Um, But in most cases, they are kids who are siblings that are separated into different foster homes. And they have to be in Indiana, and they have to be 8 to 18. Yes, and and check out Camp to Belong, ind.org, their website, and uh, check out the national organization to see if they're available in your area to support. My in-laws had brought over four Ukrainian orphans um, last summer and for Christmas, and that was the first time that the four kids had spent time together. Uh, They... You know, they're in sort of the same facility over there, but they hadn't spent time together. So it was really like a bonding experience for them. So that kind of like is a a huge reason I wanted to talk to you because I've seen the power of that connection when there was disconnection before and they're their only family members. Um, So what what was your attraction to this? How did you come to start Camp to Belong? Well, the the idea is... Uh, you know, everybody talks about how hard it is for uh, kids who get out of foster care and how they have a hard, hard time making it in adult life. And it's been shown that you have to have a connectedness to someone in order to to feel grounded and um, to go forward and have a more successful and happy life in adulthood. And we just think that the best, one of the best ways to do that is to have a connectedness between the siblings, because that's an, a natural thing that if it's allowed to, to develop, it would. And that will help them have better adulthoods. Um, 
if you have no connection to anybody, you're more likely to engage in dangerous activities, um, maybe stay in dangerous uh, relationships you shouldn't be in. But if you have uh, a family, you're part of a family, it's going to be a a better situation. Uh, For me, I saw the founder of Camp to Belong, which is an international organization on Oprah. And Oprah was giving Lynn Price, I think it was called uh, Live Your Life Award that Oprah was giving for people that uh, did outstanding volunteer type things. And I saw this um, in the 90s, 1990s. And I thought that is a great idea and it's really needed. And at the time I was raising three kids and teaching. So I was like, I can't do this now. But after I retired and I had an empty nest, my kids are graduates of IU Purdue and Rose Holman now. And um, so I had the possibility of having the time to be able to bring it to Indiana. And if it had existed when I was growing up decades ago, which the international organization hadn't even been started then, but if it had existed, I would have been a camper. And I was one of seven siblings and the youngest five were at an age that went into foster care. And um, another thing is I'm a good example of um, an inspiration story because I went from foster care to IU Bloomington to a dorm and graduated in four years and then had a teaching career. And I've been married 46 years and raised three children. Um, So people need to hear that that's a, kids need to hear that that's a possibility. But um, on the other hand, if you don't want to go to college, there are lots of ways to set, set yourself up for success Um, you know, joining the service, um, getting a skilled trade, um, setting yourself up so that you would be able to have a happy adulthood. Uh, How much do you want to get into your story? I'd love to hear a little bit about your backstory and, and, you know, why you and your siblings were separated and how has that played out over the years, that separation? Well, Well, um, my mother died in a car accident and then um, we had three years of like kinship care, different combinations, different kids with different grandparents and aunts and uncles. And, and um, it was just a different time then when people did not have money and the social the, the social connections that there are now were not there. And I, I was too little to be a part of the decision-making. But now that I'm the age my grandparents were at the time, I can imagine how hard it would have been to think about raising, the, raising my grandkids when there are so many of them and so little money. And think about, I would think, I would have to think about spending the rest of my lifetime getting these kids raised and maybe not being able to do a good job because I didn't have enough money. So 
I wasn't part of the decision because I was young, but then um, I was nine when I went into foster care. So I spent nine years in foster care. What does that look like? Because I, I don't really know much about foster care. Well, uh, it's different for everybody. And I like to think that a lot of the kids who are in foster care are in a lot better place than they would be with their parents because their parents weren't able to raise them. Um, but you, you, and I think in all foster homes, there's something that you don't like about it, even the best ones. And even the worst ones, there are things that you do like about it. But I'm, I know that there's a big, a big range of how good foster homes are. But I just like to think that most people are doing it for the right reasons and the kids are in a better place than they would be if they were not able to get to that foster home. So, I mean, I don't want to get into debates or conversations necessarily on current events. Right. But I I see a lot of anti-foster care sentiment right now and a lot of conversation that I think if I were a foster kid would make me feel kind of unwanted. I mean, when you watch the news or watch your Facebook feed and you see some of the conversation around foster care, what what comes into your mind? Well, I know that there are unfortunate um, circumstances in foster care. And um, there was just um, an article in the newspaper about um, how many failed adoptions there are. And I would think that a lot of those reasons come from the kids, um, but some of those reasons come from the adults, but they're just mismatched. And then the adoptions fall apart. But there are many, many more happy adoptions that happen and kids that, that you, you see these success stories about now they're finally adopted and how happy the kids are to be in a family. And sometimes it's like, um, the parents say, we didn't save them. They saved us. You know, it's a mutual thing. That's a good thing. Um, so it, it's, it's just really hard to to generalize because a lot of times the unfortunate things or the the um, bizarre things are the things that you hear about and you don't hear about all the good success stories. Yeah, uh, the, you can't generalize unless you're on the internet. Uh- <laughs> but, but there are people who do it for the money, I know. Mm-hmm. But when I was raising my kids, I was like, there has to be an easier way to make money than to raise kids. (laughs) Especially kids that aren't necessarily yours. Yeah. I mean, I I can't imagine how that's a good way to make money. (laughs) Uh, So you mentioned something interesting just a minute ago that, you know, compared to now back then there wasn't as much community or resources the vibe is that, oh, community is eroding and that there isn't, people aren't engaging in the way that they used to be. And wasn't it wonderful back in 1980 or 60 or 40 when everybody was just so much more community minded? You know, yeah. what is what what leads you to that experience, to that insight? Well, for one thing, it's so much easier to, well, now they have programs for after foster care, like from 18 to 
23 and some cases 25 or 26 where they have programs where they can, if, if kids decide that they want to enroll in that, they can get help. And it's kind of like um, they have, they can have uh, a place to live until they get on their feet. So there are programs like that and like uh, foster success would be a big help. If you reach, if you reach out to the right people, there are big helps. Plus, I don't know if you know about 21st century scholars. A little bit. It's been mentioned on this program, but please, for those who don't know, just briefly okay. touch on it. Uh, that didn't exist when I was growing up. But now, if for kids who are at risk or low income, and I don't even know what the parameters are for that, but there are certain kids who can sign up and they're supposed to sign up between seventh and eighth grade. And if they sign up and they meet all the deadlines and make the grades and take the right classes and stay out of legal trouble, the state will pay for them to go to college. They will pay the tuition for them to do in-state um, college. And if you're, a, if you're in foster care, you can sign up for that in 7th through 12th grade. Like if a kid were only in foster care for like two weeks their sophomore year, they could sign up for 21st century scholars and keep it. If they kept meeting the deadlines that they need to meet, they could still have it. So kids in foster care can sign up for that at any time after seventh grade. So that's a big advantage. And then there are also places that you can apply for a certain amount for spending money for each year that you're in college, which would be a, a big help. And, and there are just, there are lots of nonprofits, which I'm sure you're aware of that would be able to help in that situation. Yeah. There, I mean, the difference of where there are gaps, there is somebody willing to help and wanting to start an organization to fill any gap in any, and that's sort of what the, this show is trying to do is to encourage people to start one or to be a part of one. Find one and be a part of something that you care about. Plus, there's a lot of money available, too, like yeah. Pell Grants. That Pell Grants existed when I went through school, but um, there are lots of different avenues for finding money that probably didn't exist back then. So let's talk about Camp to Belong. We're talking to Becky Moore, who's the director of Camp to Belong Indiana. Their website, camptobelongind.org, if you'd like to help them. Um, how how did the idea of Camp to Belong get started? Not your journey, but the overarching organization. And tell us what the campers get out of coming together at, at Camp to Belong. Okay. Um, Lynn Price... Um was an adult who was volunteering and she saw that these kids were missing their siblings. And she said, why can't we just get them together at camp and they could get to spend, uh, you know, 24 seven together. And, um, of course the boys are in boys cabins at night and the girls are in girls cabins at night, but the brothers are together and the sisters are together. And then today, during the day, they're together most of the day. Um, but she said, let's get these siblings together for camp. 
And then it just happened that other ones started. And also people from other parts of the country would travel to their camp. So then those starts would, those states would start camps. And the idea of most camps, the, the biggest thing that a camp, camp to belong camp does is have a week of camp for the siblings. But as we get, uh, get to be a more mature organization and the ones that have existed for like 10 years have reunion events all year. Like um, we could get together and go to a Colts game or have an August swimming party or have a hike in a state park, you know, where we get the kids together for just one day, a one day reunion. Uh, Christmas parties are popular and um, midwinter things, um, bowling events, lots of different ideas could exist on what you could do, horseback riding instruction or fun at a a stable. Um, There are all kinds of ideas for what kind of reunion events could happen, which as your organization grows, you can develop those as you go. So far, our organization is so young and small that we don't have that set up. But what our main thing is, is our camp right now. So why do, why do siblings get split up? I mean, that seems kind of cruel. I know in the, the case of the orphans, they didn't want to be split up, which is why they haven't been adopted. Is it, is it just a necessity thing that you, if you want to get adopted or not be, you know, I, I don't know if you're not in a home with a family, like, are you in a, where do you go if you're not like, I don't know. Explain the system to me because I don't, I don't know much about it here in America. Well, as you can imagine when um, a family it's decided that a family's going to go to foster care and there are several siblings, there's hardly ever going to be one home that could take all of them if there are multiple kids. Um, there, it just usually the I would think it would be a nightmare to be a caseworker and have a big family that you would have to place. You would have to be talking to different foster parents and say, "Oh, can you take the seven-year-old? Oh, can you take the twelve-year-old?" And some foster parents have a certain age range that they want. Like if you don't want to have to pay for daycare, you would probably want school-age kids. Uh, some foster parents like having babies and they will take them like until they're three uh, or that's what they would like to have placed with them as younger kids. Um, some, some, uh, some are probably um, it, it's just that you have to fit them where they will fit and, I haven't done that before, but I can just imagine that I think it would be really hard to have to place um, a family. So what do the kids say about your camp? What do you hear from the kids at the camp? Well, it's, it's fun to hear them say when they come to camp, is my sister here yet? Where is she? You know, and they want to see each other. And one of the counselors after the first night said that there were two sisters who were holding hands from one bunk to the next bunk 
and swinging their arms. And she goes, you're doing a good thing. You're going to make me cry. Uh, Uh, (laughs) It's just sweet. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're excited to see each other, but let me tell you, there is a lot of drama in the families. Hmm. We don't even know all the, all the things that have happened. And, um, there is a lot of drama and, you know how you know how siblings argue in normal circumstances. Yeah. So when you have an emotional, um, um, an emotion filled filled week, you can imagine that uh, that would be pretty intense. In fact, um, I've heard this story more than once. Um, one of the kids gets mistreated, like when they live at home. One of the kids gets mistreated and runs away. And the police are called because there's a runaway or some kid is found. And then the home gets investigated and the kids all get put in foster care. And then it's like all the kids are blaming the one that ran away for letting people find out and that that it's their fault that they got put in foster care, hmm. which it's not fair, but that's... A common story. Kids thinks like kids think like kids. Yeah, um, yeah. and I would imagine coming coming back and reconcile. That's kind of a safe person that you can take things. I mean, I you know when I have a brother and a sister, and it's just sort of safe to fight with them. <laughs> you, there's not as many consequences, I guess, when you're yeah. when you're fighting with your siblings. Plus, even with my own kids, um, you know, the older ones would want to ditch the young brothers that. <laughs> wanted to follow them, you know, and yeah. like, Oh, I want to hang out with the cool old older kids. You know, that's a, a common thing in every family. Like, let me ditch my little brother so we can do fun things together. So what activities do you do at camp? Is it at a specific camp or do you move around? Like what does the well, campground look like? If, if we were to show up as one of your kids, give us the tour of what we get to do. Okay, it's a regular camp, and we just contract with them for a week. So they have all the fun experiences that all kids do, but they do it for free because we we pay for it. Um, you know, like this year there was boating, um, swimming every day, um, crafts, singing, fire, fire, campfires, s'mores. Um, you know, the regular things that you do at camp, but camp to belong has to, well, they don't like, like for me to say has to, but we are required to, uh, provide six signature events because that makes us different because we have the siblings together, the six signature events, four of them are just fun ways for siblings to have fun together and to bond. Uh, one of them is we have a carnival and it's kind of like a kid mixer, you know, like adults would have a mixer, but without any booze, but instead of that snow cones and uh, popcorn and, and candy. Um, but, um, they get to realize, well, they get acquainted with all the other campers and especially their, their, um, siblings. But also do you find they, that the siblings like how much? What's the average of the 
per family? Is it like three? three? It do, can do, vary between two to five, but the most, but it averages out to almost three. Ages eight to eighteen. Do you find that most don't have a familiarity, or is there a familiarity with each other, or th- it varies, or is it uh, just sort of an awkward reunion? You know, like. I'm sure there's no like clear cut answer here, but I wonder what that that process is like for the kids. It varies. It varies. Um, sometimes uh, we had a family this year that uh, some of the kids lived in southern Indiana and some of them lived in northern Indiana, so you know they couldn't get together very much. And it kind of depends upon how much um, how much they're able to get together by how busy their lives are, how busy the foster families are. And uh, whether in my case, I had a lot of grandparents and aunts and uncles that were involved. So they got us together, but it just depends on who you have involved, but uh, lots of kids don't have anybody involved. So it kind of just happens. Whatever happens, happens. Um, But in a lot of cases, and, and here's another difference between back then and now, there is such a thing as sibling visitation. You um, know, you've heard of parent visitation, yeah. and there's even a thing called grandparent visitation, but now there is sibling visitation, and it is a formal thing that kids and foster families can request that the, fit, that the uh, siblings are able to get together. But it varies a lot because there's not much. I don't think there's very much money behind it. And case managers are so overworked that you can imagine how hard it would be. Plus, what I say is, think if you are picked up by a case manager and your brother's picked up by a case manager and you go get a, eat a meal together with a case manager or you get to go to a, their office and and somebody's watching you, but you get to sit there and talk together. That's not going to be fun. Yeah. So if you don't have money behind it so, to do fun things and and people who have enough time to do that, you're not going to have very much sibling visitation. But what I say is our whole camp is fun. And it's like, some say it's like five years of sibling visitation put all in one week. That's great. So, I mean, what are a couple more of the signature events? I don't want to move on before we finish yeah, hitting those. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of them is a birthday party. Uh, we have a sorority that does a, a shop. And, and do these happen the sixth throughout the year or is this during that week? That's These are during this week. Okay. And um, the sorority brings the gifts and we let the kids go in without their siblings and pick out the gift that they want to give to the sibling. They get to wrap it. They get to design a birthday card. And then we have a birthday party and the birthday party has, a, a they get a birthday cake that they get to decorate as a family and eat and then a cake and ice cream and then a dance with the DJ. That w- is a lot of fun. It's, they're, they're just, it's just fun. And, um, the idea of the birthday party is that, uh, kids in foster care are usually not together for their birthdays. So we're just celebrating everybody's birthday at one big birthday party. Um, 
another thing it, that we had that's not required is we had a talent show, and that was a lot of fun. We had a volunteer who came in and and helped the kids decide what their act would be, and then she brought all the, the backdrop and mics and speakers and um, props that they would need, and it was it was fun. But that's not one of the six that's required. Um, the first night we have an inspiration campfire and the idea of that is just to let the kids know why they're there, what qualifies them. And like I was saying at the carnival, the kids realize that other families are in the same situation that they're in. All, all 40 of our campers were in the same situation this year. And they get to realize that when they get acquainted with everybody, like, your family's here and they live in two different foster homes. You live in different foster homes and they get, and they also get to see that all the volunteers that come in through the, out the whole week are people who care about them. So it kind of, it makes, I, we hope that it gives them a better feeling of well being because they know that there are other kids in the same situation because Kids might go to a school where they're the only foster kids in the whole school. One of the one of the running themes of this show at every organization is helping the clients, the students, whatever you want to call them, not feel alienated. Like they're not weird. Like there are other people who have the same emotions and feelings that you do, and that's just so empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then the sibling projects. We've done pillows, and let me grab mine. Uh, we we are talking to Becky Moore, who is right. the director of Camp to Belong in Indiana, and you can learn more at camptobelongind.org. And so they, they have the, the shared project. They have a project where they pick out – the it, adults make these pillows, and the kids get to – yeah, there you go. Right, it's, yep. I, it's opposite of what I'm doing. <laughs> it looks normal the, to me. Yeah, yeah. The kids get to decorate this muslin panel, and they can say "Love you, brother." Think of me when you see this pillow, or they could just make a design. Like if somebody likes skateboarding, they could have a kid skateboarding or whatever. They design this however they want to, and the kid, and then they have to stuff it with the white stuff that goes inside and they sew it closed. And then they get to present this to their sibling at um, inspiration campfire. And the kid, the other kid gets to take it home as a keepsake. No, this one was made for me on the slide because I didn't know they were making it, but all the people involved with the first camp signed this pillow. Oh, this is the kind of pillow the kids would get to take home. And then the second year we're um, the second year that they come back, they get to do a fleece throw that has a panel on it that they're going to design. Nice. So the sibling project is, is a, a, another one of the, um, of the, the events, the other two. Oh no. Another one that's fun is scrapbooking. Part of the thing about being in foster care is, you hardly have pictures of yourself growing up and you definitely don't have many pictures of your sibling. So if you don't see your sibling and you don't have a picture of them, 
it's hard to picture what they look like. And, um, and um, if you do have pictures with your siblings, sometimes they're of unhappy events. But we have a whole week of happy events. We take pictures throughout the whole week. We have volunteer photographers taking pictures. Then we have them printed. And then on Friday, we do a scrapbook. And the kid gets to learn how to scrapbook. And they get to go home with the scrapbook of the week. And then they have pictures of them. And they also have their friends that they've made, too, in these scrapbooks. So they have pictures of themselves, their siblings, and their new friends that have all had a fun week at camp. And they get to take the scrapbook home. Yeah, go ahead. And then um, the life empowerment seminar is the one thing that's not really fun, but it's a class for 14 to 18 year olds. And it tells them what's available. Like if they want to go to college, one of my biggest messages is most kids who are in foster care would say, I don't even have to wonder about whether I can go to college or not because I'm in foster care and there's no way I could pay for it. Well, that's, that is the only reason I would not accept that. That is not true that you're not going to have the money. That, that you, almost seems, I mean, they're not, not, I don't know many people's parents who paid for the college, you know? So I, I, that seems like a false belief that, yeah, that you can correct there. Well, it, there is money for kids who have been in foster care if they make the deadlines, if they take the right classes. But my message is that you need to think about that when you're young. You need to start studying when you're young and getting the grades that you want to get to where you're going to go if you want to go to college. If you're the type of person who never wants to study again and never take another test, then I'm not saying you should go to college, but think about something that interests you. Like if you like uh, working on cars and all the classes that you can take would have to do with working on cars, wouldn't that be kind of fun to take those classes? Or if you wanted to join the armed services, um, armed forces and like join the army and, uh, depending on whether you like to travel, depending on whether you like to have to be in shape the way they have to be in shape. And um, uh, it just depends on whether you would like that lifestyle. But the idea of this two or three hour class is this is what's available for you. And also we talk about um, sibling visitation and how they could ask for sibling visitation and signing up for 21st century scholars, and then how to finance a college education if they wanted to go to college. But if they don't, how you would uh, be able to have um, a way to get a skilled profession where you could really make good money. Um, On one of the talk shows um, here, we have a guy who is from a plumbing place, And he says he picks apprentices who are apprentices for four years. And during that four years, they get paid. And they go to class one night a week for four years to learn how to be a plumber. 
Plus they're getting on the job training because they're being apprentices, but, um, but they could support themselves for four years while they're taking one night, a, a class one night a week in a topic that we hope that they would care about. And then at the end of those four years, they can make $90,000 as a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a young, I have a young nephew. I'm like, go into the trades, man. <laughs> that is just amazing yeah. to me. And, and it would be a way to be an apprentice in, um, and have a place to live and support yourself during those four years. And I mean, you wouldn't, you would be working 40 hours a week, I assume, and taking classes one night a week. So it'd still leave time for fun. It's yeah. Not like, how how it's, many of your kids are repeats? Like, you know, and is, and I know there's about 40 kids. Like, is that capped or could you have 300 if you had the resources? Could you, where, you know, where are we at in terms of need? In uh, Camp to Belong, the international organization considers a full camp 100. But there aren't very many places that have 100 kids in their camp because most of the camps are young enough that raising that much money would be really hard for one thing. Um, the first year they want you to have 30 in your camp. And um, I, being a teacher, I was like 30 kids with this many volunteers. That would be so easy to do. But then I learned my lessons because <laughs> um, you have to raise the money. You have to, build up your community year by year, you know, people come back and say, I want to do this again. You know, I have organizations that have done events and they'll say, Oh, we want to come back and do this again, but you have to build up that community. And if, when you have headaches and you will have headaches and learn lessons, if you have a small number of kids, it's more manageable than it is. If you started with a big number, you just have to start small. And we had our first camp in 2019. And one of the things you have to do to become a camp to belong camp is you have to go to an existing camp and participate. So the funny thing is um, the person that was my co-founder and um, co-director for 2019 was just finishing her master's and I had just retired but she was a big camp person and was getting her master's in social work. So this kind of put together her interests. And then I was coming at it from a different direction. So it, it kind of worked, but we went to Washington state's camp and they have a hundred kids. So we saw a mature, really good camp in action. And it was just amazing. Now, Oregon, I think it's Oregon that has two camps. They have enough built up that they can do 200 kids. They do 100 in a June camp and have 100 kids in an August camp. But the, but the usual is like a lot of camps do like 60 kids because they're kind of on their way up growing. 
Um, but it just depends on how many, how much money and how many people they have to help. Um, so some of them don't plan to get bigger than 60. Yeah, they want to stay at that. You, you got but I think if we, I, I think by the numbers of how many kids there are in foster care, and then you're talking about how many have siblings and how many have siblings between eight and 18, and then how many are divided into different homes. And then you're talking about um, a big concentration coming from central Indiana, although people did drive quite a distance. We had the region and we had Fort Wayne and South Bend and coming from the river, Ohio River too, so southern Indiana too. But a big concentration here. But I think probably it would not be hard. Well, you'd have to build it up, but you could get to 100 easily. The, the thing about it is you have to have kids that aren't going to go to summer school some kids want to be on video games all the time. They're like, we don't want to go to a camp and Ew, bugs. swimming. <laughs> you know, if, if you're an energetic kid and you're not working and you don't have to go to summer school and you're, you and your siblings are all in agreement that you want to do this and you have to have somebody that fills out the paperwork for you, you have to have people that are willing to drive you there and, you know, help you pack and get all the stuff ready. So, you know, it just takes a lot to get a family together to be able to do it. So shameless self-promotion time, because you sent me a flyer that I I will put a link to in our show notes, if you're okay with that. Um, You know, there's so many different needs, not just counselors, but photographers, videographers, grant writers, publicists, IT specialists, intern, event, event leaders, social media manager, day volunteers, like... You know, just birthday gifts, gift cards, cotton candy machine, popcorn machine, you know, like all these different things that can help you build this up. There's so many different. And, you know, I'm hearing like if you're a business, maybe if you can, you know, use some of your your uh, funds to throw an event to raise money for Camp to Belong. There's so many different ways, I think, to help you. But give the pitch. Shameless self-promotion time. Okay. I think... It's, for me, I would never say to my husband, I want to bring kids into our home now that we're retired and we have an empty nest. I would like to think that I could take kids in and be a foster parent, but I'm just not in that place. But I think for everybody, there is a level of something that you can do to help. I mean, being the foster parent would be the ultimate thing because that would be 24-7 all year for years. But helping with an organization of your choosing or donating money, I mean, that's really fast. But there are things that you can do to help us plan and that would take you all year or, you know, a little bit of time all year. Or you could do uh, become a counselor and spend the week there, and I guarantee it would change your life. Um, you could be a day volunteer and help with one of these events that you could come in and help with. Um, you could be a company that would sponsor a certain event or pay for a certain treat or 
shirts or backpacks or swag or whatever, um, or just money for us to use for however we need to use it. Um, there are just lots of different ways to get involved depending on your skills and your interests. And if you're listening outside of Indiana, you could start your own camp. Yes. That's another point. Um, we only have 10 in the United States. It, I think there have been 15 states maybe that have had camps, but our closest one to Indiana is Wisconsin. And then there are some on the West Coast and there's some on the East Coast and then Georgia and Alabama um, and uh, Colorado. But it's only 10 that exist in the United States. So if you live in, a, in one of those states, you could contact that uh, organization and see how you could help. Um, if you live in a state that doesn't have one, which there are 30 some states that have never had one, you could start your own organization. Um, the way to start that is to contact the international organization, go to their website, which is camptobelong.org and tell them that you're interested in, in it. And then schedule yourself to go visit one of the camps and you would see it in action and see how it really works. And, um, and even if you didn't want to start one and you lived in a state where you um, didn't have one, you could help a neighboring state. Like if, if there are people in Ohio hearing this and they're saying, well, I don't want to start one of my own, but I'll go help Indiana we would take them so they could help a, um, a, a state that's close. And I think that's a lot of ways that states get started is they help another state and then they see that they could, how they could do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, it's not a full-time job for you. I'm sure that you put a lot of hours into it and do a lot of stuff, but it it's manageable, right? Well, you need people who have some time. Mm. It does take time, but the thing to do would be get somebody with you that you would enjoy working with. And the two of you could, then it could be manageable if you have a couple of people that are interested in it. And, um, and it depends upon how interested you're in Indiana. It's DCS department of child services, but in some states, they are very involved, and that's a big help, too. All right, final question. Yeah. What, what do you see every day or during camp week that you wish everybody understood about your work? Uh, how important it is to, to have get the kids together, even if they don't know that it's important. Um it is important to get the kids together and hopefully in Indiana, we'll be able to do the reunion events eventually. And it could be that that's how your listeners could get involved. They could say, well, I, well, I have a horse riding farm. We could have an event there or um, I'm a Colts person. I could make sure you could get tickets to get a reunion to go to a Colts game or something like that. Uh, but seeing how important it is to get the kids together and create that sibling bond. 
Becky Moore, the camp director for Camp to Belong Indiana. Their website is camptobelongind.org. I'm sure you can reach you there. Is that the best place to, to reach you if you want to chat? Yeah, so my phone number's on there. And there's a button for if you want to be a counselor. There's a button if you want to be a volunteer in another way. And uh, you could just tell me how you're interested in becoming involved. And usually what happens is I call them up and listen to them until I hear something that is something that we need. Very good. All right. Well, Becky, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you, Chris. And thank you to everybody for listening.